This episode is brought to you by The Hartford, a leading provider of employee benefits and income protection products that is dedicated to standing behind U.S. workers to help them pursue their goals and get through tough times. For more information about The Hartford, visit thehartford.com slash employee benefits. We've also got a link in our show notes. Hello, I'm Nora McNerney, and this is Terrible. Thanks for asking. The show where we ask you how you're doing and we actually want to hear the real answer. Today, I'm starting with a question. Not how are you, but something that is important, which is, do you have a best friend? Like a best best friend. And with all due respect, please do not be one of those people who's like, my husband's my best friend. No, not talking about your husband, your boyfriend, your wife. I'm talking about your best friend. The person you call when you and your boyfriend break up. The person you call when your husband DVRs the wrong thing. The person you call when you find the person you're going to love forever. The person who finishes your sentences and laughs at your jokes before you even get them out because you have a Bluetooth connection between your brains. That best friend. Is this? Do you have a best friend like this? If you have this kind of best friend, you are a lucky person. And maybe you know that already. Maybe every day you thank your stars for the fact that your paths crossed at exactly the right time. Or maybe you don't do that. Maybe you aren't adequately thankful. In which case, you should call that person right now or text them. Because I know some people view phone calls as an act of aggression. I know Hans does. My producer does not doesn't enjoy taking phone calls at least not mine I do he texts me very immediately saying what's up but personally I love phone calls anyone could call me I would I would answer anyway um this is an episode about that kind of friendship the answer when somebody calls kind of friendship the friendship that maybe Hans and I will have someday we're going to introduce you to a woman named Janya This is her, and she's talking about her best friend, Michelle. She was the oldest of six children, firstborn, take charge, so smart, but so easy to be around. So smart and commanding in her career, but not intimidating or bossy or a pain, you know, just so easy and and just lovely. And she did... Those big things. She went to Australia for three weeks by herself because she wanted to go to Australia. I was the one who would wait for someone to want to come with me. I would have never done that. But she did that. And she bicycled in South Korea for three weeks with another friend because she wanted to. So she never held back. She she just took all of life on head first and was so inspiring that way. Michelle and Janya weren't childhood friends. They didn't like meet at birth or in kindergarten. They met in their 20s, which is young still. And it's kind of like that malleable period of adulthood where you're still open to the possibilities of every social encounter. This is like before you hit your 30s and you start leaving parties at 9 p.m., Or, like, last night I went to bed and I said, I can't wait to go to bed tomorrow night. 
That's the that's the phase of life that I'm at. Janya and Michelle just fit together. It was like Michelle just sort of clicked into that best friend shaped space that Janya had available. And at this time, both of them were living in Seattle. So I was 27. It was 2003. And I got my first real job out of college. And Michelle was friends of friends of my new boss and all kind of young, professional, late 20s gals. And there was this book club that met at a bar. I don't think we read ever anything. That was just a ruse. And it was very quickly a wine club and then morphed into a travel club. Michelle was warm and magnetic, the kind of woman where you're like, wait, I I want to be like Michelle. I want to travel the world and have a super important job, but still, you know, be humble and call my friends on their birthdays. Side note to best friend Dave, sorry I forgot your birthday for the past 10 years. Now, there are friendships, and then there are friendships in all caps. Like a friendship. Both are so valuable and wonderful, but the second kind is so rare and so special. And it's not romantic, but it kind of edges up right onto that territory. It's the kind of friend that you immediately call when something goes wrong, even when you're happily married and have another option to make that phone call to. It's the kind of friend who shares a bed with you when you travel and it's never been weird even for a second. It's the kind of friend you would do anything for. That's not where Janya and Michelle started, but that's where they ended up. It wasn't a bolt of lightning, um, but it also didn't take forever. Um, in 2005, in June, we went to Mexico for her 30th birthday. And I think that that's when our bond really solidified. It was Michelle and I and two other gals, Jennifer and Kim. And Jennifer and Kim were the blondes and we were the brunettes. And so we had our room together. And I spent a week as her roommate and really got to know her. Here's how being somebody's roommate on a vacation can go. Yeah. You never speak again, and you hate every little thing that they do. You're like, why does she brush her teeth so loudly? Oh, my God. It's like, if I have to hear her breathe one more time. Or you feel like you felt about Michelle, where you're like, let's do this forever. Yeah. Let's do this again, okay? Even bigger, longer, just the two of us. So (laughs) it was so epic. So. I remember this, like, one of the first nights, we went and decided to have lobster on the beach. And it was really, like, just this kind of melted oil for the dipping butter. (laughs) It was really bad. And the whole, (laughs) it didn't work out well for her stomach. So that night, (laughs) she was sick. (laughs) And I (laughs) ran out to the deck (laughs) because... I can't. I can't do vomit. I just I cannot do vomit. I cannot be there for you. I'm not your guy if you're sick. <laughs> and it was like... I'll be your best just, friend, but I am yeah, not going to be there for lobster I, puke. I don't lobster blame you. Vomit. Uh-uh. Yeah. And it was like, we just knew, like, these, these are our limitations. She's like, I can't drink as much as you. I can't, you know, go all night. I can't have all these crazy foods, you know. And I was like, and I can't, I can't be there for you when you're sick. But otherwise, 
it was it was great and we started planning when we turn 40 let's do this whether it's Hawaii or Vegas or Mexico um, whatever we have by then kids husbands we're gonna leave it all behind and we're gonna do this that's where this friendship turned into the all caps kind of friendship Virginia it was the right friendship at the right time my husband after college went to law school so I became just that was really lonely just because he was gone so much so you know I never had a partner hanging around so and I was a real homebody (laughs) eventually their friendship went long distance Michelle's career in communications kept growing and growing and it took her all around the world Jania started raising pigs and became a mother and life for both of them got real lifey and all of these commitments could have pulled them in completely separate directions not just physically but emotionally and nobody would blame either of them if they had most friendships don't actually end with a huge blowout they just sort of dissolve into the ether swallowed up by the realities of being an adult but instead Michelle and Jania stayed really close. Michelle was still Jania's person, even when she was halfway around the world, which is exactly where Michelle was when Jania's grandmother died, in her arms, after weeks of taking care of her and watching her decline. It was a heartbreaking moment for Jania, and of all the people in her life, she wanted to share it with Michelle. And Michelle was there for her, even though she was in Taiwan and it was her birthday. Jania called and Michelle answered. And she just cried with me. You know, she didn't make any comments or platitudes to try to be comforting. She just cried with me. And my pain was her pain. And she wanted so desperately to be there for me. But she wasn't allowed to come back into the United States because of her working in Taiwan and there were rules. And she talked about, well, maybe I can fly into Mexico and sneak across the border to be with you. And that's who she was. You know, when it was her birthday, and I don't even remember if I wished her a happy birthday. I'm sure that I did, but she just let it be about me and my pain. And so even though we were separated by thousands of miles, she was never distant. You know what makes no sense? How people who are wonderful, who everyone agrees, oh, that's a great person, they die. And awful people get to live forever. I swear on all anecdotal evidence you can ask anyone they will tell you the same thing all the dead people they know wonderful the jerks they know still breathing not fair not fair and that's where this is going that things aren't fair and sometimes wonderful people die for no reason right after they visit you and your family Michelle's job in communications had taken her all around the world, 
and she eventually settled here in Minnesota. But she would always make sure to stop and see Jania and her family at their pig farm. And I know there were a couple times, it was March of 2014, about eight months before she died. She was, she'd flown to Hawaii, from Minnesota to Hawaii for work, and she was flying back through Seattle from Hawaii on her way home. And it was just like midnight Friday through noon on Sunday. And she didn't want to tell anybody that she was going to be in town because everybody loved her and everybody wanted a piece of her and everybody wanted to see her. So she's like, can I just come stay with you and we'll just hunker down and and hang out. And so I loved being a refuge for her. And it was the best weekend. And... We slept in the king-size bed together, and we went wine tasting, and my husband spent three hours making a quiche for her, which ended up having a lot of dirt in it because of the spinach. (laughs) And, and, I mean, he spent hours. It was this eight-egg quiche with feta and spinach and sausage from our pig farm. It was the most beautiful thing. And now it's so funny. She was so gracious when she got that mouthful of dirt. But I remember sharing this bottle of rosé with her, and I remember sitting with her outside, and my 150-pound dog was pressed into her, and she was wearing my husband's jacket and just being a refuge for her and sitting out on our farm in the woods, and nobody knew she was in town. And just being that for her and I miss being that for somebody (laughs) just sounds like the kind of friend that everyone wishes they were exactly exactly and like effortlessly effortlessly and I just and so I hope that I was as good to her as she was to me So two days before my 39th birthday, on November 4th, I got a call from Stephanie, who had been friends with Michelle before I knew Michelle. And I almost didn't answer. I didn't want to answer just because I just started pasta to boil and blah. So I answered and the last ring and, you know, are you sitting down and have you heard about Michelle? And I'm like, if I'm going to hear about Michelle, I'm going to hear it from Michelle. So what are you talking about? (laughs) And she just starts talking about Michelle being in the hospital and having a brain event. And she didn't say the word stroke, but something about her brain bleeding. And I just felt myself blanch. Just that, what are you talking about? That denial, just the floor drop out, just, just raking the air. What, what are you saying? And of course, the first thing you think is, I got to call Michelle to get to the bottom of this. This is where we're going to take a break. You are going to call or text your closest friends and tell them that you love them. And 
I, I'm going to do the same. If you are looking for a podcast that is fascinating, a podcast that is somehow intriguing and comforting at the same time, the kind of show that you can listen to with your kids and it will give you all something to talk about, you're going to want to listen to Search Engine. Every episode, host PJ Fote sets out to answer a question, a question that is not easily searchable. And what he finds is surprising. This is a podcast that is a staple in my rotation. And if you even vaguely like this show, you're going to love Search Engine. Search Engine with PJ Vote, an Odyssey podcast, is available now on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I really love recommending good podcasts to people. I also really recommend Hans Buto to people. He's the producer of Terrible Things for Asking, and this summer he worked on an incredible project called 74 Seconds. It is a podcast. The entire season is available for download now wherever you get podcasts. I'm not telling you anything else about it except that you need to download it and listen to it. It's very important. 74seconds.org. Okay, we're back. Um, You just checked in with your friends, and Janya just got a terrible phone call about her best friend, Michelle. Michelle had suffered a brain event, a stroke, and it was shocking because Michelle is healthy and happy. She had just eaten a forkful of dirty spinach at Janya's house. But now Janya is in her kitchen my kids are still waiting for dinner. So fortunately, so how do you my feel at this point? Are you just panicked? I feel cold. I feel panicked. I feel desperate. And my husband walked in the door and I was still on the phone with Stephanie. And I just looked at him and I said something about Michelle in the hospital. Michelle's in the hospital. We didn't know a lot because we were in Seattle and she and her husband were in Minnesota. Um, so on my birthday... Two days later, on November 6th, I called the Stroke Association, and with the information that I had, which was very little, I just said, can you tell me maybe what happened? And it was devastating to find out that in the best-case scenario, after everything going right, that in five years, she would be maybe 70% of her former self. And it was just the most hopeless conversation I've ever had. And I knew it was really, really bad. And I just, there was nothing I could do. Nothing. And I got off the phone with them. And I'm in my robe and I look outside. (laughs) And the pigs have escaped 
the pasture. <laughs> and it's just chaos. And I put my boots on and my bathrobe. And I'm just hysterical. I'm laughing and I'm crying and I'm like, this is my birthday. Like this, you know, and, and she's, she was gonna, you know, she was one of the first to call me and the phone is not ringing. She's not calling me. And this drug association has just told me the worst possible news that my best friend who bicycled through Korea, who went to Australia by herself, who's just the most beautiful light is going out. But I have to show up and deal with these pigs, you know, and I have to I have to keep going. I have to just keep going. You have to and chase I, these fucking pigs I, now. I, <laughs> and they're and the pig is screaming at me and it's this four week old piglet and the mom is screaming at me and I'm like, oh my God, like I just can't make it stop. And I had been I had been through enough death already to know that this is how it works. It doesn't matter who's dying or dead, you need toilet paper. It doesn't matter. The, there is no pause. There isn't a pause. There's never a pause. Your best friend is in the hospital. You still got to go catch the pigs or feed your kids or finish that GD PowerPoint so Sharon doesn't email you again and CC your boss. Classic Sharon. Janya catches the pigs. She feeds the kids. She cries. She waits. And then the phone rings. And word arrives. That Michelle is dead. And I just... I just hit the floor. And I just was so desperately sad. And the next day, the overwhelming sensation that I had was terror because I knew at that point that there was never going to be a price that I could pay to make it stop. My dad had died at my engagement party while I was holding him. And that wasn't a high enough price to pay. And my grandma had died while I was holding her. And that wasn't enough price to pay. And I'd miscarried twice, and that wasn't enough price to pay. And I'd lost my best friend, and that wasn't a big enough price to pay. That I could never make it stop. There was never going to be anything that said, you're done. And that was the first time I realized it. And I wondered if my children... (laughs) Or next for my husband because I finally knew that I couldn't pay enough of price to make it stop nobody was safe and I couldn't believe that we were not gonna go on that trip that I had just turned 39 
and she would never be more than 39. And she d- she wasn't going to make it. She wasn't going to make it to 40, and I was going to make it without her. And it was just the most unfair. <laughs> just so sad that she wasn't going to make it. <laughs> And now what? Best friends are harder to make the older you get. I have all of my childhood journals, and I flipped through them, and it was revealed to me that I had approximately seven best friends during my fifth grade year, which is too many. Baby Nora, too many. But as kids, friendships just happen. You spend all day with at least 30 other people in your peer group with a similarly limited social sphere and likely common interests. And you spend enough time in proximity, either because your parents or your teachers are forcing it, and boom, friendships. As adults, it's harder. You, yes, you're surrounded by people all day, but now you're old enough to know that at least half of them are jerks or dipwads. And if they aren't jerks or dipwads, they're staring at their phone. So, like, how can you just bust in and make them your friend? If they aren't on their phone, what if they're not interested in any of the same things you are? Or even worse, what if they're great and you really like them, but they've already got a full friend roster? After a certain age, we... Do we kind of stop making friends? Or at least making friends of real depth and the thing I realized after she was gone is that everybody's taken at this point everybody has their best friend and there isn't room in anybody's life for a new one and I don't know where I fit and it's when we met each other we were at such A jumping off point in life when you're in your late 20s and you're just, you know, your career is getting started and you're either newly married or you're seriously dating or, you know, whatever. And now people aren't shopping for a new best friend. And so I don't know if that'll ever happen again. Not to be a total ruiner, but it won't ever happen again. Not like this. There won't be another Michelle. There won't be someone who shares your history in that same way because that history has been written. If you're a grown-up and your dad dies, you don't acquire a new dad. You might get closer to some fatherly figures in your life, you might hug your friend's dads too much. Guilty. If your husband dies, you can get a new husband. Ask me how. But it's still not a replacement for your first husband. And when your best friend dies, you don't just promote someone in your existing friend group from tertiary friend to best friend. 
Okay, I'm not saying that Janya will never have another best friend. She might. She might bestow that title on somebody. She will not have another Michelle. She won't have another best friend like this. And Janya has made other friends. One of them, who sounds great, by the way, is a 73-year-old lady who takes Janya to Bruce Springsteen concerts. She sounds awesome. And she is awesome, but it's it's not the same. I never left an experience with Michelle like, I hope I said the right thing, or I hope I didn't sound blah, blah, blah. <laughs> there was never that. And now I do that a lot more often. I'm a lot less secure. You can't start time with someone like you can't you can't say let's start off having 15 years under our belts you have to start right now and that takes time and that trust and that understanding and that connection just takes a long time that's hard to replace my dog died in january my beloved beloved dog fiona now, seven months later, I start thinking about other a new dog. And I have hope in my heart that someday I'll I'll love again like that. I'll have I won't have Fiona, but I'll have something close. Like I'll start thinking about a little puppy coming into my life. And I'll start thinking, you know, I can do that again. As much as it hurt, I'll do that again. And then I'll have that hope for a best friend. And maybe I should picture it the way that I picture a puppy. <laughs> maybe it's that easy and maybe it's not. I don't think easy is the word we're looking for. I think the word we're looking for is possible. It's possible to meet new friends and make new connections. For sure. 100% correct. It's possible to open your heart to more people not with the intention of replacing the people we've lost, but to make space next to them, the love we have for them and the experiences we shared with them. Somehow that is possible. Our hearts are amazing. There won't be another Michelle. That relationship can never, will never be replicated. Jania can't just take someone else and turn her into Michelle, but... Jania can try to be a Michelle to someone else. I hope that I was as good to her as she was to me. And I think part of what I've struggled with since her death is putting that forward. That legacy of being such a good friend. Best friend one to best friend two. Do you copy? I read you loud and clear. <laughs> Jack, I'm not your mom. <laughs> Might as well be your mom. <laughs> I'm working an episode about this woman whose best friend died, and it's making me so emotional, and I just wanted to call you and tell you happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> happy three birthdays. Happy, happy last ten years of birthdays. <laughs> oh. 
I, I, it's like a, it's a cliche people about, say about finding relationships, but we weren't looking for each other. We just found each other. I know. What were you looking for? I, I was, I, I honestly, I, I didn't know who I was. And I think until you meet like your best friend in life, you don't know who you are. And, um, I think a lot of who I am now is, is, was formed by our friendship and, um, yeah, you also you also tolerated like literally the worst parts of me. Like you let me f- like just flip through different versions of Nora trying to find the least shitty one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like if 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 Nora's a Barbie, I've got all the versions. I've, got, I've collected them all. <laughs> oh God! All right, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Bye. This was Terrible, Thanks for Asking. Written and hosted by me, Nora McInerney, and produced by Hans Buto. I also wrote a book called It's Okay to Laugh, Crying is Cool Too, and you can buy it wherever you buy books. If you want a bunch of new friends, you can support TTFA with a donation and join our Terrible Club. It is a real place on Facebook for our supporters to connect with one another and with us. We share show ideas, clips, feelings, and we've watched actual friendships happen. It's awesome. And I love all of you Terribles. Our music is by Joffrey Wilson. Jacob Maldonado Medina is our intern. Hannah Meacock Ross is my lifeline and our project manager. This episode received massive help from Samara Freemark, Raymond Tungakar, and Suzanne Schaefer. Thank you. I am, I'm not a great friend, and I'm sorry about that. Aaron, Cara, Jean, Dave, Mo, Lindsay, Chelsea, I love you, and I have no idea why you love me, but I'll take it. Terrible Thanks for Asking is a part of American Public Media. Mm-hmm.